You're listening to The Remorseless Podcast. Hey guys, it's Beth Fisher. Welcome to episode number nine. This episode is a solo episode, okay? Contain your excitement, please, where I talk about faith and fear. And hopefully you guys know I am not a uh, Bible-y throwing kind of like scriptural words at you that may be overused. However, there's a reason that oftentimes they are used, right? Faith and fear, um, you know, everything that you ever wanted is on the other side of fear. Okay, yeah, maybe. But here's the thing. We're going to talk specifically about what this all means from like a real life standpoint. So again, thank you for showing up. I am really glad you're here and let's get going. remorseless thank you for joining me here have you ever heard anybody say the following i doubt it's going to work out i doubt i doubt i doubt right people always say well i doubt it what does it mean what does it mean to have doubt doubt is a very close relative to wait for it fear Doubt and fear, right? Fear of the unknown. We all feel it right now more than any time, I think, at least in the history that I've been alive. Uh, fear of the unknown. When is this pandemic going to be over? When is this palpable feeling of human divide going to be done? When are we going to feel united again? When are we going to feel happy again? Now, I want to say that we're in it, but I also want to say that's a very human feeling. I bet, because I don't doubt, that people who lived many years before us, even scripturally, also had doubt, right? Also had feelings of very palpable divides. All you have to do is read history books. All you have to do is talk to your ancestors and say, can you remember a time when like people sucked, people were mean, people were divided, you went through a difficult time? My grandfather flew in World War II flew planes in World War II. I'm pretty sure he's been through some stuff. He was like the dude that grew up in Pennsylvania and sort of like a rebel rouser and wore the page boy hat and would climb on trolleys and like beat people up. I think that's actually how I remember a story. He flipped a table in a dance hall when my grandmother was engaged to somebody else. He flipped a table, beat the guy up and they ended up married. I don't know, right? Everybody's got stories in their history. No different in scripture, you guys, before I actually knew how to read the Bible and I discounted it like, well, those people don't have any idea what it's like to live today. So why would I bother studying those people? It amazes me still to this day when we read from the lens of we are all connected. We all as humans have fear and doubt and anger and anxiety and questions about God. When we read it from that lens, we become instantly unified as opposed to religiously divided, uh, culturally divided, gender divided, pick a divide. doesn't matter. Those are human constructs, you guys, that we uh, subject to each other, that we press upon each other. And it's unfair and it's dumb and it's stupid. And in my experience, it keeps us from loving each other well. So what I always hope to do on this show is to say, how do you live remorselessly? Ask that question. How do you show up in your own story without guilt in spite of wrongdoing? Okay, that's what remorseless means. 
to live without guilt in spite of wrongdoing. As I often always say to find me one person on the planet who hasn't done wrong. Every single day, we each do wrong. We try, that's the progression, right? We try and do better every day. That's growth and transformation. People that don't try and do better every day, quite honestly, I don't wanna be around those people. But what I do wanna be around and on the side of is constantly moving forward, even in the midst of adversity, even in the midst of doubt, especially during those times, because it's then when we grow the most. Being uncomfortable, being fearful, being in doubt, going through adversity changes us so much more than when things are just going easily. So you've probably also had people in your life that say, you know what, don't forget to pray when everything's going well, because it's kind of then when we just get complacent, right? And we sort of forget to talk to God because like, why bother? We don't need anything, right? That's our selfish human tendency. But what's interesting is the second that an illness or divorce or loneliness or anxiety or a pandemic or pick a thing in life, when that thing comes at you, comes at us, man, we're all about it. We're like, God, help us. Please help us. And so the Bible has like 5,467-ish promises. 5,467. I'm sure somebody out there, some biblical scholar is going to question me on that. It's close. It's a lot is my point. 5,467 promises of God. How do you unlock those promises of God? Well, first you, you have to believe them. You have to believe them. You can't doubt what you read. I know why you do. Same reason I did. Same reason we all do is because what we read doesn't translate to what we're going through. Doesn't translate to our experiences. But so what does that mean? I want to talk about that fear as it relates to faith. Faith and fear, all the F words, big part of the show here too. Uh, parenthetically, the my buddy who produces this show, it's a podcast, obviously, for those of you who are listening through uh, podcasting right now, but also as a video. Um, so on the podcast, I looked and there's an E next to it, which says explicit. And I said to him, I don't think that I swear too much on here, do I? He goes, no, just in case. <laughs> so proactively in preparation for what sometimes when I get very passionate, uh, starts to fly out of my mouth and I don't even know. I say it and then I can kind of see it leaving my mouth and then I can't even grab it. It's like when I used to play basketball. I was on the basketball court back in the day and um, I don't know. It was sort of like court talk. I would say things and I didn't necessarily know that I was saying them. And then after the game, somebody would remind me and they'd say, did you know that, that that's what you said and that's how you acted? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I was right here. I was in the moment. Now, off the court, I'd put my arm around somebody and, and love them well and hang out with them. But man, on the court, it was all business. That's what I want us to be here, you guys, all business about scripture and about God and about loving others well, because without it, kind of what's the point? It took me a lot of years to get there. Um, it took me a lot of doubt. It took me a lot of questioning. I was scared. I really was. I didn't want to know what the Bible said because I thought I knew based on what I heard externally from different constructs and from the church. And I thought, if this is what I'm hearing, I am afraid of God. I literally don't want to know more because the little bit that I do know has rendered me super stuck, afraid, constantly showing up as somebody that I'm not because I was trying to like win the game. I, I am competitive. It's how God made me. But I was trying to win this whole heaven hell thing. And as a Catholic girl, I mean, you throw purgatory into the mix. And then it, for somebody who likes to be 
certain, I thought, well, if I'm stuck here in the middle, that's no place to be. Like, I was really afraid. I think I was more afraid of purgatory being stuck than I was of hell in a weird way. And so that's why I'm really passionate to you guys about helping people move forward on their journeys and to say, you know what, I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to live out my faith, even in fear, because that's, that's the whole point of the journey. You guys is to take the first step in faith. Okay. So what does it mean to have faith? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 is like the hall of fame faith chapter. And I'm not even going to read it because this is how I actually relate to people as well. Um, just through sort of regular everyday language that has helped me overcome my fear of scripture as not having to have it always right. Exactly. So here's what I think from memory. Um, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, which is now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. Right. Isn't that what faith is all about? Fear of the unknown, fear of the things that we don't see. Let me tell you a quick story about if I would have stayed stuck in fear, what I would not have had today. Uh, a third marriage. I was super afraid of getting married again. The first two times I chose to get married um, were not for the right reasons. The first time I, it was on my to-do list. It was what I was supposed to do. It was on my checklist. This is what people circa 1995 did. They graduated from college and before they even took another thought about, well, what's next in my life? Maybe I should wait for a little bit of insight from God or a certain direction or some experience. I was like, no, what's next? Oh, marriage. Okay. Well, this is who I'm with. Let's just get married. There was um, not a lot of thought in that. It was just, again, what society expected me to do. So I did it. Don't want to disappoint people. Thankfully, um, my daughter's dad turned out not to be like an, you know, a murderer or a, a horrible human being. But what he did turn out to be is somebody who also didn't make a decision to get married for the right reasons. And, um, and we ended up divorced not too long thereafter. My second marriage ended, um, after 12 years, but I only chose to get married because I didn't even necessarily think about how to go about the decision. Uh, I was dying of cancer. So somebody came in, swooped in, saved the proverbial day and was like, Hey, let's get married. I'm like, okay, great. That was that. Um, for somebody who also really likes to succeed at things in life, right? I'm wired to say, I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to tackle it. I'm going to cross the finish line. I'm going to hit a goal. Well, when a marriage implodes um, and you think like that, it's brutal. It's brutal anyway. It's brutal always but it's especially brutal when you feel like you have failed. And so when you start to take on the label of a failure, uh, it renders you stuck. It did me for a long time. So I was very, very, very afraid to get married again. Had I not taken the first step and walked out in faith that God's going to bring somebody in my life that he wants me to be with, had I not even said, okay, fine, I will, I will go out with you. I wouldn't be married today. And like one of the most loving, normal, happy, well-adjusted relationships I've ever been in, right? So my point to you always often as well is don't give up. Like we don't know. That's the whole beautiful journey of faith, which is step out into that, which is the unknown. Well, we all like certainty. We are wired for clarity and certainty. 
And so when we don't know, that renders us fearful and stuck. So if we don't want to live in fear, if we don't want to have doubt, then we have got to learn to live without it. And that means, by default, to trust God. Fruit, by the way, is not, um, not fruit, fear. <laughs> fear is not a fruit, as I meant to say. Fear is not a fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit, peace, patience, joy, love, the happy things, the peaceful things, the calming things that God gives us, fear isn't one of them. 5,467 promises. Fear is not a promise. God says, I'm going to give you everything that you need to live fearlessly, right? If you have faith in me, if you have faith, true, solid, loving, all the time faith in me, you'll live without fear. So fear of the unknown, you know, real or perceived, it just, it boils down to, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to make a decision that's going to render me miserable. That's really what it is. So before we come to know God, you guys, this is what happens. We make decisions based on very earthly, very fleshly things. So somebody else has done it and they say, go ahead and do this thing. I promise you, <laughs> not one of the 5,467 promises, but I promise you it'll work out. And then it doesn't. And we say, well, that was a terrible thing to believe, right? And then we start to blame ourselves. And then we get, the wall goes up and we get very skeptical of humans. And we say, well, I don't know who to believe. I, this person is wrong. They're wrong. Instead of saying, I'm going to try and just believe the promises in scripture. So let me give you a, a very real example of what faith looked like in the Old Testament. So God sent a deliverer of his people by the name of Moses back in the day to deliver his people to the promised land. Moses had enough faith to cover them. He's like, follow me, let's go. He holds up his rod, his staff. He parts the Red Sea. And the Israelites just received the free gift of dry land and they crossed through. Okay, well, years later, after Moses is gone and Joshua becomes in charge and Joshua is leading the people and they have to cross the Jordan. So... The difference is Joshua's like, you got to put your feet in the water, dip your toes in the water. The Israelites had to do something on their own to get through the fear. If you don't choose to believe in the fact that you're here for a reason, that you matter, that everything in scripture, that the promises that God gives you, at least some of them are going to come true, right? Like that's just like odds of Vegas, 5,467, like bet on one, you know? Well, especially the one where God says, I'll never forsake you. You know, if you go to God and you say, look, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I have no idea. I have messed up. I have been stuck in guilt. I know I'm a terrible person. I also know that I have value and worth and mattering. Terrible is subjective. Value and worth and mattering and love are not subjective. We all have it. We're all here for a reason. God made us with mattering and worth. And so what I want to teach you guys is that faith is supposed to feel uncomfortable. Having faith is also something you can practice. Anytime that you feel uncomfortable in life, you can practice it and get a little better, right? You can practice faith and say, I may not have any right now. It's pretty small, like mustard seed size. But if I practice having a little more and a little more, and then I see what happens? I can start to see it instead of saying, 
sure of what I don't see. You start to see changes in your life. They become cumulative. They start to accumulate. You start to dip your toe in the water. You start to swim. But you have to start somewhere. We all do. And we can't just stay stuck and say, well, I'm just going to wait for God. No, I mean, God actually empowers us, encourages us, equips us to not only be in a relationship with him, but to step out in faith to say, I don't know, but I'm going to give it a whirl. I'm going to try, right? With what I've already been equipped with, with the little bit that I have, I'm going to start to show up every single day of my journey and do a little bit more until I really start to feel and live unwaveringly just with this solid foundation of faith to believe that I don't have to know everything to know enough that God's going to show up. If you had any experience in the course of your life with God, you know he never fails to show up. Always, always, always. And so in the book of James, the New Testament, here's what, here's what James says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Ask. Are you guys asking? Have we shown up and asked? Or are we just kind of lamenting going, oh, I don't know. Ask for what you want. Right. God expects that of you. He he encourages that of you. He made us to be in relationship with him. So have you ever been in relationship with anybody on the earth that you haven't asked for something like, hey, can you pick up your socks? Can you take the garbage out? You want to go to a movie like you're asking questions all the time of people with whom you're in relationship. Why are you not asking questions of, of God? I encourage you to do that. Right. So James says, who asks God, who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But, it's always a but, right? Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. Let him ask in faith with no fear. Without fear of rejection, without fear of abandonment, and without fear that it won't come true. Sometimes, oftentimes, especially as we are starting to step out, right? Dip our toe in the water. When we ask for something, it's not the right thing to be asking for. So we don't, we don't get it. That's out of love. And when we ask for something, it's okay to ask, right? It's also very, very okay for God to not give, to not provide. So if you've been asking for something and you're not receiving that, start asking the question, please show me what I actually should be asking you for right now. Help me to understand who I am. Help me to understand how to show up on my journey and, and to do for others. That is always as well, you guys, something that I've learned um, that when you ask and it's a selfish ask, probably not going to happen. God's not selfish. He's the most selfless being there is, right? Send his son to die for us. That's the most selfless act I can think of. So is what you're asking for a selfish request? If it is, not so sure why God would grant that. Now, if it's, God, please use me to help other people, my, my money's on that. My odds are on that. God comes through every single time, right? And so we have to learn to ask for things that are not just going to benefit us because that's not the story of Jesus. Jesus did not walk on this earth to get get, get, gimme, gimme, gimme. He could have taken whatever he wanted. Instead, he gave. Jesus gave everything, his life for us. Again, the most selfless act. So I would just encourage you guys to, again, step out in faith, face your fears and the unknowns, 
because that's how you grow, right? If you're so fearful of what's going to happen to me next, well, if you're, if you're just going to stay there and be stuck in fear, then kind of you have really nothing to lose, right? I would say go out, try something. And if you fail, well, then you're no worse off than you were by doing nothing, right? So I hope this is just a continued encouragement for you to show up authentically as who you are. God already knows. He already knows. And so when you go to him and have the hard conversations and say, I don't know, I think I've completely messed this one up. Can you help me? Can you show me? Can you help me live without fear? See what that does. Test God. He asks you to in Malachi when it comes to tithing. He's like, hey, you know what? I'll open the floodgates. Try me. And I can tell you guys, it's true. I've, I've done that. And so if you can say to yourself, I have no idea how this is going to turn out, but I trust God. I have enough faith in God to believe that something will change for the good, for the betterment of myself, for others, the direction I'm going. Then that is what I encourage you to do. So thank you all for being here, continuing to show up on your journeys, to live remorselessly without guilt in spite of wrongdoing. None of us are perfect, but, but keep going. Keep showing up. Never give up. Fight the good fight and be remorseless. Talk to you guys later. Peace.